Sentire Media. Hello everyone and welcome to A History of Italy. Special episode 2B. A load of baloney from Bologna part 2. This is the second part of a two-part episode on the history of the city of Bologna in northern Italy. Now, you don't absolutely have to have heard the first episode to make sense of this one. Basically, in the first episode, we started from the prehistoric origins of the city and got up to the Middle Ages. In this one, we're going to go through the modern era and contemporary era to the current day. Now, I don't know about you, but I was always a bit confused by these labels. Modern history, contemporary history. I mean, I remember taking my uh, contemporary Italian history exam at university and being really happy because I thought, you know, contemporary history would be like yesterday and today. But I had to go all the way back to the Treaty of Versailles, which is over 200 years ago. But anyway, on to the modern era. Between the end of the 15th and the start of the 16th century, the wars in Italy due to the descent of Charles VIII of France into the peninsula, caused a tip in the delicate balance of the Italian states and a decline of the last of the Bentivoglio, Giovanni II. You may remember from the previous episode that the Bentivoglio were the family that had taken over the government of the city of Bologna. Giovanni II, whose authority was undermined by two pontiffs, Alexander VI, Borgia, a very famous, notorious even surname, and Julius II, the Lerovere, who wished to dominate the city directly and didn't like all the independence it had. In the end, Bologna surrendered to the aggressive Pope the Lerovere on the 13th of June, 1512. Starting from 1512, the fate of Bologna was therefore tied to that of the Papal States, even though the city had a certain amount of autonomy on an administrative, economic, legislative level, based on the agreement reached between Sante Bentivoglio and Nicholas V. The legate, nominated by the Pope, governed the city with the Senate, an expression of the nobility of the city, and no decision could be made by one power without the consent of the other. This form of organization continued for almost three centuries. From November 1529 to March of 1530, Bologna hosted Pope Clement VII and Charles of Habsburg, who, on the 22nd and 24th of February, received the crown of King of Italy in the Farnese Chapel of Palazzo da Curzio and of the Holy Roman Emperor and the Basilica of San Petronio. Thus Bologna became the seat of the last coronation of an emperor by a pope. In 1587, Bologna reached a population of 72,000, which was then reduced less than 50 years later to 46,000 in 1630 due to an outbreak of the plague, followed by a period of famine due to severe weather conditions in all of Europe, the so-called Little Ice Age. In any case, agriculture and the silk and hemp industry allowed the peasant class to live with a certain dignity, although there were many poor who were helped to the best of their means by the religious organizations, 
inspired by Christian charity, such as the Opera dei Mendicanti. However, there were also festivals with tournaments, horse races, and especially on the 24th of August of every year, the Porchetta Festival. Now, if you don't know what Porchetta is, look it up and taste it. Good stuff. Between 1674 and 1739, the exceptional porticos of St. Luca were built with their 659 arches stretching almost four kilometers from Porta Saragozza to the sanctuary of the Madonna of St. Luca on the Colle delle Guardie Hill on the 17th of October 1677 to allow the construction of the hill section of the great porticos Many Bolognese from every social level got in a long line to form a human chain to pass from hand in hand the material needed. That was the origin of the passamano, the hand-to-hand passing that started up again as a celebration in the year 2002 and is still celebrated to this day. San Luca can be seen as you approach Bologna from either the east or the west along the motorway sitting up on top of the hill overlooking the city. Bologna is also a city of antique musical tradition and was home in the 18th century to one of the great musicologists and composers of the time, Father Giovanni Battista Martini. It was also the location of the Accademia Philharmonica, the Philharmonic Academy, where, thanks to the support of Father Martini, a 14-year-old Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart hoped to enter. This brings us to the end of the 1700s and the start of contemporary history. The ideas of the French Revolution arrived in Bologna and inspired an initial, yet pointless and tragic attempt at rebellion against the papal government on the 13th of November, 1795, during which Luigi Zamboni and Giovanni Battista de Rolandis adopted a green, white and red cockade, the first use of the colours of the Italian flag. The following year, French Republican troops entered Bologna, putting an end to centuries of rule of the papal legate and the Bolognese Senate. The life and image of the city changed and the religious and trade organisations were suppressed and their possessions taken away to be included in the state or sold to the highest bidder. At the same time, new societies were formed and new theatres founded. After the repressive papal restoration following the Congress of Vienna from 1814 to 1815 and the Treaty of Versailles in 1816, Bologna was also home to movements for national independence. In the following decades, there were various insurrections in the city, which were quickly repressed. The most significant were in 1831, which led to the proclamation of the United Provinces, and another on the 8th of August 1848, during the First War of Independence, when the Austrian troops that had arrived to help the Pope were put to flight. However, the Republican experience was short-lived and the Austrians returned in 1849 and stayed for ten years until 1859, when the temporal power of the church was ended and Bologna finally became Italian. 
After the French troops entered the city on the 5th of June, 1859, the Austrians left in the early hours of the 12th of June. On the memorable day that marked the definitive end of the papal power in Bologna, the citizens rushed to Piazza Maggiore, waving tricolor flags. At the main entrance of Palazzo da Curzio, the papal insignia was substituted by the Italian flag. The adherence to the reign of Sardinia allowed the city a year later, thanks to a landslide referendum victory promoted by the politician Marco Minghetti, to become a part of the new Italian state. In 1885, some Bolognese entrepreneurs, intellectuals and politicians decided to hold a universal exposition in the city in 1888 to commemorate the 800th anniversary of the founding of the university. The event was held at the recently inaugurated Margarita Gardens and was attended by such dignitaries as King Umberto I, Queen Margarita and Prime Minister Francesco Crispi, hosted, among others, by the poet Giosuè Carducci. In general, the later part of the 19th century was a time of great progress for the city. On the 15th of July 1914, the first socialist mayor of Bologna was elected, Francesco Zanardi. Under his guidance, the municipal administration became well known for its efforts towards the development of the city and in favour of the poorer classes. Popular housing was built, free health care for the poor was instituted and schools were set up for all children. During the First World War, 1915-1918 in Italy, a municipal bakery was created to regulate the prices of bread in a building which today is the Mambo, the modern art museum of Bologna. The bakery could produce 20 tons of bread a day. Due to this unusual policy, Zanardi went down in history as the bread mayor. Bologna was governed by the left until 1920, but after the advent of fascism, the city was governed by a podestà nominated by the regime. Bologna paid a high price for the war brought upon the country by the fascist government and its Nazi allies. Various buildings were bombed, such as the Archiginnasio, 43% of houses were destroyed or damaged, and 2,200 civilians were killed. In the last six months of the war, with the front a mere 20 kilometers away, and the centre considered safer, full of refugees, life became even harder. The liberation of the city on the 21st of April 1945 put an end to this situation. But we mustn't forget one of Bologna's most important contributions to recent history. Indeed, going back a bit, after the armistice of the 8th of September 1943, in the city and the province, under the guidance of the Comitato di Liberazione Nazionale, CLN, the National Liberation Committee, a strong partisan movement was born. 14,253 freedom fighters and 2,064 dead were the contribution Bologna gave to the liberation of the city when Polish and British Commonwealth troops entered it. For its contribution to the fall of fascism, the city was awarded the gold medal for military valour. Giuseppe Dozza, 
was nominated mayor by the CLN on the day the city was liberated. The city took up its road to progress and with great effort put in by the citizens and social and economic groups, the wounds of war were healed. In just five years, essential services such as water, gas, public transport and hygiene were re-established and the city and province soon reached a good level of well-being. The population showed great appreciation for Mayor Giuseppe Dozza, who was re-elected repeatedly for 20 years. During recent decades, Bologna has become an established economic reality and an important presence in international markets. It is an important railway and motorway hub between northern and central Italy. As far as the motorways are concerned, we actually call it the bottleneck of Italy because it's a bit hard to get round Bologna when you're heading off to the seaside. It's also a trade fair location of European level, an important scientific research centre thanks to the university, an attractive destination for tourists. I really do recommend you go and visit it. The entrepreneurial spirit of the inhabitants and the wide range of services offered to tourists and residents put Bologna among the best places in Italy for quality of life. Having become a symbol of progress and pluralism, Bologna suffered a series of terrorist attacks in the late 70s in what in Italy was called Anni di Piombo, the years of lead. This culminated in the bombing at the train station Bologna Centrale on the 2nd of August 1980 that killed 85 people and wounded over 200. However, in the face of the wounds inflicted by far-right and far-left terrorist attacks, the city consolidated its identity. 3,000 years of history have left important signs in its golden ages and centuries of tradition that have made it an important crossroads and cultural workshop. In 1988, Bologna celebrated the 900th anniversary of the oldest university in Europe, and in 2000 it was named the European Cultural Capital by the EU. In 2016, it celebrated the 900th anniversary of the institution of the Commune. The involvement of the citizens in the life of the city and its districts, an intense activity of associations and participation open to foreign citizens, have allowed Bologna a continuous democratic development towards new, great achievements. So, that brings us up to speed on the history of the city of Bologna. I'm not 100% sure what we can expect for the next episode. It may be an interview episode, or it might just be regular old episode 16. Anyway, only time, and by time I mean this week, will tell. As always, thank you very, very much, everyone, for listening. Please take some time to subscribe to the show and rate on review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly generous, there's a donate button or you can support us on Patreon. Thanks again very much to everyone. And until next time, arrivederci. Sentire media.
Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com. That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.